I hope you read uh, the overhead as the choir was singing. Uh, this, this is God's Word, and uh, you either believe it or you don't, and it's so important that we have something that is concrete and absolute that we can stand upon, and I'm convinced, and again, I'm, I, I'm just saying this from my own conviction, the more I read and study the Word of God, the more I am certain that it is God-breathed. And, and I think as we take time to read and study the Word of God, regardless of how well or how little we feel we can understand the Word of God, when we give God those moments, He'll speak out of His Word. So I encourage you to read it. Uh, look, i got a couple of uh, notes that I just want to, mental notes I want to put in your head. Next Sunday is going to be called My Hope Sunday. And let me explain to you quickly what that is. The Billy Graham Evangelistic Association is asking that churches uh, would consider during the second week in November or really any, any week during November of having something called My Hope. And we'll try and explain it in a way that will be very simple and very encouraging. And it is, it's a way to help your friends and your family members come to know Christ. And, and I'm not going to go into any more detail. We'll talk about it next Sunday. And you might be saying, well, why, if we're going to do something in November, do we have to d talk about it in, in April? Folks, we need to be in prayer about this. We need to ask you to volunteer to ho open your home to host one of these where you would invite people that do not know Christ as their Savior and that you would be um, allowed to share not only a meal with them, but also your testimony, a brief testimony, and also uh, a Billy Graham video. And, and again, please don't shut this off and say, well, I don't want to be a part of it. I just ask you to pray about it. We'll talk about that next Sunday on the 28th. Three weeks from today, we'll have deacon ordination service, okay? And yes, all three of the men that were uh, placed before the church, it'd be two weeks now. I, I won't tell you, I don't know where in the world time is going. Two weeks ago, we voted on them, correct? That's right, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I was here. Uh, I ought to know. Uh, but, but they were all approved as deacons, okay? Um, Steve, before we read the scripture, uh, let's pray. But I want to ask you to go back to that song, It Is Well With My Soul. Can you pull the third, the third verse up on that, okay? Let's pray together. Father, I thank you that as we come this day, Lord, we do have the ancient words of Scripture. Father, I thank you that, Lord, you have preserved these words so that we could know you. Lord, I thank you that your son is the word become flesh, but we thank you for your written word. And, Lord, I pray that we would not refuse to read and study it, and we would not refuse to give you the time to speak to our hearts and minds out of your word. Father, all of us, Lord, we would confess that we have very little information because, Lord, we give you so little time in, in, in hearing and reading. And, Lord, I pray that when we read the word of God here in the sanctuary and in the Sunday school classrooms and other meetings in the church, Lord, we would truly let your spirit speak to our hearts. And so this day, as we read and study about the cross, I pray, Lord, that your spirit will speak to us from your word about your son and what the cross means to us. Bless us in these moments. Prepare our hearts that we'll take the Lord's Supper in just a few minutes. And, Lord, remind us again that it is through the shed blood of Jesus Christ that we have forgiveness of our sins. We thank you and we bless you for your son, and we pray he will be exalted high in these moments. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Before I read the scripture, this third stanza in It Is Well With My Soul, just listen, just as I read this aloud, just would you read this in your mind, okay? My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin, now listen to this, not in part, but the whole, all of our sin, look at this next line. Is nailed to where? The cross. Is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Oh, my soul. I'm going to get ahead of myself, but in the sermon, one of the important things about the cross, it is at the cross that our sins are dealt with. If you and I are a believer in Jesus Christ, our sins are dealt with at the cross and we bear it no more. If you are not a believer, the only way for your sins to be dealt with is either by the blood of Jesus Christ or either the judgment of sin falling upon yourself. I'm not trying to be harsh. I'm trying to tell you the truth according to the word of God, okay? But this is such a beautiful hymn. That's such a beautiful message. That's one of the things that the cross is all about. Thank you, Steve. Now, if you will go to the text, uh, Luke chapter 23, verses uh, 32 to 49. Uh, two weeks ago, we got started on this and didn't get very far, but I want to read again the text. I'll not make comments today. I'll just read the text, and then we'll get started, okay? Luke chapter 23, beginning with verse 32. Two others also who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him, with Jesus. And when they came to the place which is called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right and one on the left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments. And the people stood by watching, but the ruler scoffed at him, saying, He saved himself, let him save himself, if he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him vinegar and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were, who were hanged railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? <laughs> And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, truly, I say to you, today you'll be with me in paradise. It was now about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour, while the sun's light failed and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Then Jesus, crying with a loud voice, said, Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. And when the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God and said, Certainly this man was innocent. Folks, how, excuse me, and all the multitudes who were assembled saw, to see the sight, when they saw what had taken place, returned home, beating their breast, and all his acquaintances, Acquaintances and the women who had followed him from Galilee stood at a distance and saw these things. Folks, how in the world do you and I truly begin to understand the cross? And it is an understatement to say that the cross is one of the most important moments in human history. Human history had been pointing 
to this moment. And folks, I just want to read one passage of Scripture at least that points that someone will come and suffer for the sins of others. In Isaiah chapter 53, verses 3 through 6, verse 10 and 12, and let me read these verses to you. Isaiah 53, 3 through 6, 10 and 12. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrow and acquainted with grief, and is one from whom mid men hid their faces. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Now, folks, listen to verse 4. Now, again, these words were spoken by the prophet Isaiah, were recorded as Holy Scripture hundreds of years before the coming of Christ. But listen to verse 4 and following. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Upon him was a chastisement that made us whole, and with his stripes we are healed. Folks, let me stop for just a second. Let me read those verses again. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that made us whole with his stripes. We're healed. The cross should be a constant reminder of not only what Jesus did for us, but how much God the Father loves each and every one of us. Listen to verse 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him. You see, on that cross, it was you and I who deserved the punishment for our sin. But the Lord God laid on Jesus the iniquity of us all. Jesus died for you and for me and for all humanity. And listen to verse 10. Yet it was the will of the Lord to bruise him. It was God's plan and God's will that Jesus die on the cross. He has put him to grief when he makes himself an offering for sin. He shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. In verse 12, Therefore I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he has poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors, being crucified between the two robbers. Yet he bore the sins of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Now, folks, I want to point something out about the latter part of verse 12. Jesus died for all, but will all receive his salvation. Jesus died for everyone seated in this congregation. Jesus died for everyone who's going to attend this church and every church today. Jesus died for every single person who has ever walked on this planet, but will all receive his salvation. Folks, if you haven't trusted Christ as your Savior yet, and I'm not trying to coerce you into making that decision, I'm simply saying that Jesus died to take away your sin. But you and I make the decision. Are we willing to repent of sin and confess that we are lost in sin? Are we willing to allow his blood to take away our sin? Are we going to try and get to heaven on our own merit, on our own good, on who we think we are? Folks, you remember what Isaiah said earlier, and Steve, you don't have to go back to it, but Isaiah said in verse 6, All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And folks, 
let me point out once again, not only does the Old Testament bear witness that the death of Jesus was in the plan of God, Jesus himself knew what lay before him. Listen to what he says earlier in Luke chapter 18, verses 31 to 33. And taking the twelve, he said to them, Behold, we're going up to Jerusalem, and everything that is written of the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished. Now, again, folks, listen. Jesus and the people of his day only had the Old Testament. But even in the Old Testament is the promise of the prophets that the Son of God would come and would die. And listen to what he says in verse 32, For he will be delivered to the Gentiles, will be mocked, shamefully treated, spit upon. They will scourge him and kill him. And on the third day, he will rise. Jesus knew what was getting ready to happen to him in Jerusalem. As you begin to study the Gospels and as you see the last week of Jesus unfold, everything that Jesus had promised his disciples would happen began to happen. Jesus knew because it had been recorded by God's spokesman in the Old Testament. And if it had not been fulfilled, then God would be a liar. But folks, again, I'm trying to get us in the mindset that what happened to Jesus on the cross was in the plan of God. And folks, I believe that as Jesus marched toward the cross, all the angels and heavenly hosts were watching for this moment to take place in human history. And this, this moment, and folks, this is what absolutely astounds me. The cross had already been established and anticipated before creation. Folks, I read something by Max Lucado this week that absolutely floored me. As Max Lucado begins to, to, to see and give insight into the cross of Jesus, he says that the cross is the plan begun before Adam felt heaven's breath. I had to read that a couple of times. And let me read it one more time. A plan begun before Adam felt heaven's breath. The plan of salvation, the plan of Jesus dying on the cross for sinful humanity was already anticipated before Adam and Eve were ever created and ever sinned against God. How much does God love us? It is absolutely astounding. God made you and I free moral agents, which means you and I make the decision. Kind of like Fox News, we report, you decide. God creates us and says, here's the plan I've got for your life. Will you accept it or reject it? I'm going to give you that freedom. But if you reject that plan somewhere in your life or multiple times in your life, I'm going to try and draw you back to myself, and I will establish a way by which you can come back to me and know my love, even in the worst of the rebellion that you've had in your life. And guess who that way is? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. Folks, the cross is about God's plan. Let me just give you some verses, okay? Genesis 3:15. And in this verse, Genesis speaking to, uh, God is speaking to the serpent, the devil. And in verse Genesis 3:15, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. And you say, well, how does that speak of Jesus? Well, God knew that Satan would continue to try and disrupt the plan that he had for mankind. And he says, through the seed of woman, 
there will be one who will bruise your head. A blow to the head is fatal. Correct? You remember in the story of the passion, and, and I, I don't fully understood a lot of symbolism was in that. Remember, as Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane praying, and he knows that, that the cross is before him, that he's approached by a serpent. Am I remember right? He stomps him on the head. I just happened to think about this. Folks, a blow to the head is fatal. The blow that Jesus dealt Satan on the cross was fatal for him. But the blow that Jesus received from sinful mankind was not fatal. God says to the servant, you shall bruise his heel. And you might say, well, you're just making all that up. Absolutely not. Folks, listen to 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 to 20. Listen to this. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed. Folks, I want to stop for just a second. Are we trying to get to heaven with our silver and gold? Has there ever been a day? And I'm not against possessions. I'm not against wealth. That's not what I'm talking about here. But are we thinking that we can pay our way into heaven? I heard this past week this little story that a man had accumulated great wealth. He had been very prosperous. He had put a lot of his money into gold. And as he approached the gates of heaven... With all of its gold, St. Peter looked at him and said, What are you doing bringing asphalt to heaven? You get that? Streets of heaven are paved with what? Gold. Gold doesn't mean anything to God. They pay the streets with it. But you know what does mean something to God? The precious blood of his son that washes away our sins. And Peter's saying, You're not redeemed by things like silver and gold. From the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers. But look at this verse coming up. But with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect, he, has chose, he was chosen. Look at this verse, verse 20. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Folks, listen. The plan of God was in eternity before Adam and Eve were created. Listen to Revelations 13, 8, and this is just a part of the verse, the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Folks, listen. The Spirit of God is letting you and I know that Calvary is no cruel accident, but it was planned in the heart of God to show his mercy and his love. The cross of Jesus was one of the cruelest moments of human history, Jesus had been falsely accused by break, of breaking God's law, of plotting rebellion against the Roman government, of blaspheming God. And folks, Jesus is God, but listen to how he was treated in John 1.11. He came to his own home. And look at this. You know, the more I read Scripture, the more it seems to, me, to, to get more and more meaning. He came to his own home. What's he meaning by that? Not just the area of, of Bethlehem and Jerusalem. Folks, the Lord was the agent of creation. He created the heavens and the earth. And listen to this. He came to his own people. We are the direct creation of God himself. His own people received him not. Folks, it is absolutely astounding what the cross tells us. Jesus hangs on the cross for six hours after almost being beaten to death. In Mark chapter 15, verses 20 
excuse me, verse 25 to 37, and let me read these verses to you. And you might be saying, well, look, Easter's over. Let's get on to something else. Folks, I want to tell you, it is in the cross that we fully understand how much God loves us and how much he has done for us and how much he is going to do for us. And I'm going to run out of time in just a few minutes. But folks, I want to point something out. Jesus hung on that cross for six hours for you and me. He had almost been beaten to death. He had been denounced, humiliated, and intimidated. And just listen how Mark records the story. It was the third hour. That would have been 9 o'clock in the morning when they crucified him. And the inscription, the charge against him read, The king of the Jews. And with him they crucified two robbers, one on the right and one on the left. And those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, Aha, you who would destroy the temple and build it in three days. Remember, that's out of John chapter 2. Save yourself, come down from the cross. So also the chief priests mocked him to one another with the scribes saying, He saved others, he cannot save himself. Let the Christ, the King of Israel, come down from the cross that we may see and believe. Those who were crucified with him also reviled him. And when the sixth hour had come, the sixth hour would be noon. Remember, the Jewish day began at 6 a.m. and went to 6 p.m. And so he was, they began crucifying him at 9 o'clock in the morning. At high noon, this is what happened. There was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour, 3 o'clock. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud spirit, Eloi, Eloi, labath sabathani, which means, my God, my God, which, why hast thou forsaken me? And that is a quote of Psalms 22.1. And some of the bystanders are hearing it said, Behold, he is calling Elijah. And one ran and filled the sponge full of vinegar, put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink, saying, Wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to take him down. And Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed his last. And John tells us that that cry was what? It is finished. Steve, if you'll go to the next one. Or is that all of it? That is all of it. Okay. Folks, all four Gospels testify to Jesus' crucifixion and death on the cross. We mentioned this two Sundays ago, but I want to mention it again. And I would like to encourage you, if you haven't read these passages of Scripture yet, that you would. We're going to need to have our hymn of invitation and then the Lord's Supper. So let me quickly summarize what I'm going to tell you if you'll come on Wednesday night. And we'll try and have someone to work the overhead to show you the scriptures. And here was my whole point in what, we're, what we've been studying. Folks, the cross is trying to shout something out to us. And let me, let me just quickly summarize it, okay? Number one... The cross tells us how much Jesus loves us. If you have become discouraged and you think nobody loves you, go read about the cross. Jesus loves us. Secondly, the cross reveals that Jesus died in our place. This astounds me. Paul writes this in 2 Corinthians 5.21. And Steve, you don't have to get, just let me just read this, Okay. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. When we stand before the Lord God, you know what's going to make us acceptable to enter into heaven? You and I understand that heaven is a holy place because God is a holy and righteous God. And there'll be no sin there. 
The reason you and I will be allowed to enter into heaven is because we have been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. And we have his righteousness on us. And when God, the holy God, looks at us, he sees the blood of his son. That's the only reason. Not being a Baptist preacher, not coming to church, being a member of a Baptist church, being baptized, all these things are good. And I think they're wonderful and they praise God. But folks, when we stand before God, if we're not washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, we'll not be allowed entrance. You might think I'm being harsh. I'm trying to tell you the truth. And the third thing about the cross, what does believing in and trusting in the death of Jesus on the cross bring into our lives? And I'll quickly tell you, they bring, the blood of Jesus brings forgiveness of sin. It brings us justification, access to the grace of God, hope and reconciliation. All this is found in the Word of God. It brings us eternal salvation, eternal salvation. And I believe it is the devil's lie that you and I could lose our salvation. We didn't earn it. We didn't gain it. It was given to us by a God who does not change his mind, who does not lie to us. God gives us freedom from sin through the cross. Now, would you fast forward, Steve, to the end of the message? I do want to point this out, and I'll close, okay? As we read meditate on the cross, Steve, there are four last things. And I'm sorry, folks. I'm not sorry that, I'm sorry that we've got, we want to celebrate the Lord's Supper. Here's how I wanted to conclude. As we read and meditate on the cross, would we not, number one, feel a sense of awe that Jesus loves me and you that much? Does it excite you to say Jesus loves me? Does it? Because he does. I know that a lot of people love each one of us, but nobody loves us any more than Jesus does. Number two, when we look at the cross, it should give us a sense of humility and praise in our heart. Let me just read this passage of Scripture, Philippians 2. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but humbled himself, if you'll go up, Steve, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even death on what? A cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow every, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. A third thing, we must make the cross our focus of inspiration to serve Christ. Listen to what Paul says in Galatians 6.14, but be it far from me to glory. Another translation of that word would be boast. Be, but far be it from me to boast or glory except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. And finally, the cross should be our message and witness as a Christian and as a church. Folks, are we living the cross? Are we enjoying daily the love of God? Are we humbling ourselves as Jesus did for us on the cross? Are we boasting of our Savior, not of ourselves? Because, folks, we're boasting about something, aren't we? We're telling others about some aspect of our life. Is it 
about how much Jesus loves us. And may our message as a church and as Christians be about the cross. Let's pray together. Lord, I pray that you'll take these passages of Scripture and I pray that you'll speak to our hearts. Lord God, I pray that everyone here either knows you as Savior or they're learning about you and will one day turn to you and invite you to come into their heart to be their Savior. Lord, we can't fully understand it. And, Lord, it's so hard sometimes to proclaim how much you love us. So help us, Father, to tell others about the cross. Help others to see the cross of Christ in us, that we have been saved by his shed blood. And we've been given the righteousness of God, not to boast of ourselves, but to boast of what Christ has done for us. Father, I pray that if there's one here today who has been led of the Spirit of God to turn to you in repentance and confession and trust your Son as Savior. I pray, Lord, that you would help them to do that. Oh, Lord, I pray that you would help we who are Christians to profess our faith daily as we live. May we be crucified with Christ so that the world sees not us but Christ himself. And, Father, may the message of our church not simply be a social gospel where Jesus loves everybody and wants us to do good. But, Lord, may it be a gospel where we tell of his sacrifice and then tell of how Jesus wants us to sacrifice ourselves by denying ourselves and taking up our crosses daily and following him. Father, bless in these moments of invitation. If decisions need to be made, I pray that you'll guide folks to do that. In Jesus' name, amen.